Amen. I'm going to get right into this. This is week four, our final week of the series Perspective. How many of you enjoyed this series so far? I believe that God has really opened our eyes and give, given us a better view and perspective, amen, of what it is that we face and what we're going through, what's in, in front of us right now. How many of you know that God already has the blessings in store for you, but there's things in our life that are blocking our perspective of what God wants you to see? Blocking our perspective of what God wants us to see in others. Look at your neighbor and just say, neighbor, you're a blessing. I might not always see it that way, but you are a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from the book of Jonah in my message today on this last part of the series. And, and please be with us next week as we, we get into this new series on relationships. It's very important. It's not just about married couples or you know, people who, who are engaged. It's about your relationship in general. Because we are made by a relational God, amen, and we were built for relationships. And this ties into that. But today, my message is entitled, The Blind Spot. Someone say The Blind Spot. And I'm not talking about the Sandra Bullock movie. That's why I'm not talking about it, okay? You got it. Jonah chapter 4, and I want to look at this. I want to look at this, okay? I want to look at this. Tell someone I want to look at it. That's kind of like a tag for my sermon because how many of you know that you can read the same verse or same chapter time and time again, and if you want to, you can get a new revelation in that word every time you read it. Or you can read it, and it can mean the same thing over and over and over again. So as we read this today, we look at this today, I want to take a different angle, a different look at Jonah in his story. See, a lot of times in our life, before I begin reading, we think that this story is about a corrupt nation called Nineveh, a corrupt city. But that's not it. It's called the book of Jonah. Amen. And really, if we think about it, even though Jonah was led by the Lord and used by the Lord, Jonah was really the villain in the story. But when you're writing your own story, how many of you know that you are not always the villain, you're the hero? Okay, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's not that long. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Remember that. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious Gracious, Tarshish, gracious, whatever, and compassionate God. Slow to anger. Someone say slow to anger. And abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. He's whining at this point, right? But the Lord replied, isn't it right for you to be angry? Is it? Is it right for you to be angry? Look at someone and say, is it right for you to be angry today? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. See, notice God didn't make the shelter he did in the beginning, right? He sat in it, and he sat in the shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. I preached about this months ago, but I'm going a different angle. And he made it grow up over Jonah's head to give him shade, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. I love this story. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed in Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry and I wish I were dead. Anyone ever said that before? But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Will you bow your head and pray with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, gracious Father, have your way in this service today, Lord. We need you. Father, I've studied, I've prepared, but Lord, this is nothing without you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you take over in this service. Lord, we speak against confusion. Come on, just begin to rebuke that. We rebuke confusion right now. Devil, you have no place in this room. This is a sanctuary filled with the presence of God. Have your way in our life. Have your way in our minds today. Father, we give you our full attention today. Now have your way in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the Lord? Amen. Thank you so much. One thing that I found out about living near D.C. is this, is that you got to know what lane to get in before you get in it. Amen? I don't even know all the highways. I don't know where I'm going. I'm horrible at directions and living in this place. If I did not have a GPS, anybody else, I'd be lost. And I've lived here for over a year now. I still need a GPS to get to the grocery store to get home because I found out here that, you know, my, my Google map, my Siri, I think she's a little slow. I don't know about you guys, but I remember driving on the road just not long back. <laughs> and I was in the far left lane. I knew I'd have to turn soon. But my Google map was so delayed, it said in 100 foot, you have to turn right and get off of this exit. Anyone else? And sure enough, I look, and it was only like 50 foot. And I'm going 60, and I'm in the far left lane. So I looked in my side mirror, and I looked in my rear view mirror. I didn't see anyone, and I went to whip over real quick and try to cut across three lanes. No one else has ever done that, right? Because I was going to miss my exit. And when I went to get over, all of a sudden I could hear a horn honking. And I looked back to see that there was someone that was in my, my blind spot. Say that out loud. And this gentleman was calling the pastor names, all sorts of names that his mama didn't name him. Okay? I could see him. I, and, and I looked back, and can I tell you, for a moment I wanted to react like I used to react. Right? I wanted to give him the one-finger wave, but I don't do that anymore. I don't. I wanted to tell him he was number one. But I don't do that anymore. Tell someone I don't do that anymore. You better not. But I kept cool. Why? Because we have a great intercessory prayer team here at L3 Church. Amen? Amen. I kept my cool. I, I, I didn't react the way that I used to react, although I was in the wrong. See, I thought I did everything right. I checked my mirrors. 
But that car was so close to me that he was in my, my blind spot. I want you to show a picture here of a blind spot. Look, we all have the mirror. What does that say in the bottom? Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. How many of you know that there are things sometimes that are in your blind spot that are a lot closer than they appear sometimes? Uh-huh. That's another message. And when something is in your blind spot, how many of you know that you really don't always see it? I hate blind spots. I'm the kind of person that I want to see everything. I want to see it coming. I want to know about it. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want it to creep up on me. I'm going to ask you all sorts of questions. I'm going to dig into it. I'm going to ask you everything so I'll know everything about it so I'm not caught off guard. Why? I want to be prepared. Right? Anyone else like that? I want to be ready for it. Why? Because blind spots are dangerous. And if you make the wrong decision with the blind spot, how many of you know that it can have horrible repercussions? It's so true. What you don't know can hurt you. But, can I tell you, you don't have to be a bad person to have blind spots. Good people have blind spots as well. Had I known that there was somebody in the next lane, I would have never tried to cross over into the other lane. But he was in my blind spot. Tell someone he was in my blind spot. I wonder today, what is in your blind spot? I wonder... What was in Jonah's blind spot? Because clearly, there is something that Jonah didn't get in this story. There's something wrong with Jonah. I used to think, like I said, that there was just something wrong with Nineveh. Although there was something wrong with Nineveh, we know that. They were serving pagan gods. There there was corruption going on. But here's what it was. To me, as I studied and I read this, the distraction of what was wrong with Nineveh. Now hear me on this. It blinded me from seeing what was wrong with Jonah. I'm going to say that again. The distraction of what was wrong with Nineveh caused me to be blinded to what was wrong with Jonah. Amen? Sometimes, in other words, we are so busy looking at them and what's wrong with them that we can't even see what's wrong with you. We're so caught up in in what they're doing in their life that we never can view what we're doing wrong in our own. Nineveh, here's a picture of Nineveh. Nineveh at its time was the greatest city. It was a metropolis full of wealth and and full of uh, businessmen and scholars. and, And the story goes on to say that, I mean, if you didn't know it, Nineveh, even today, it's in the northern part of Iraq. Did you know that? kind of in between Iran and Iraq. And Jonah was one man. I can understand why there's a little bit of anger there. I can understand why there may be a little hesitation, but you have to go deep to find out the whole reason why. One man that God was trying to send against a giant metropolis to bring the word of God to a corrupt city. But this one man, someone say one man. Because it only takes one, amen? He brought everybody down to their knees, even the king. Down to the point to where the king even gave a decree that everybody will worship God and repent. Someone say amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, you could be that one today, amen? Here's the thing. Jonah got what every preacher would want. 
He got the response that every minister, everybody that's serving the Lord, and they go into a nation, or they go into a church, or go into a city, he got what he wanted. He got success. How many of you love success, or you want success? See, you might not always love it. We're going to talk about that. Even though he got success, he didn't seem to be too happy about it. And now Jonah's mad again. He's mad again. He's angry in part over his own success. And someone's going to get this. I want to talk about the fear of success for a moment. Did you know that you can have a fear of success? Now, see, here's the thing. I've been angry at God before, and I'm not proud of it. Anyone ever been angry at God? I've been angry at Him, and I'm not proud of it, but I've never been angry at God because I won. When I win, I'm excited. I'm hollering, man. I'm like, take that, devil. Look what God did in my life. But see, some people fail on purpose because they have a fear of success. Because with success comes responsibility. With success comes accountability. But can I tell you something about failure? Failure is free. Failure doesn't cost anything. Failure brings sympathy. Failure brings empathy, and it brings attention, and it brings dependency. And some people fail because they like the benefits of failure. Did you know that? See, it might be you today. You might not like me at the end of this sermon. I think this whole entire series has been a good, hard series for us. Because we need to quit viewing other people in the wrong ways, and blaming God, and even blaming the devil for things that we do ourselves. Come on. Some people are just so afraid of winning. So what do they do? They sabotage their marriage. They sabotage their ideas. They sabotage their own dreams that God gave them because failure is safe for them. And I'm wondering if we're blaming the devil for things that we did to ourselves. And what are we doing? When we do that, we begin to run towards Tarshish. Instead of Nineveh. Because we know that if we were to head towards Nineveh, we might just win. It's the fear of success. I don't think that Jonah didn't want to go there because he thought he would fail. I believe that Jonah didn't want to go there because he knew that he was going to win. And he knew that with that winning would come great responsibility. He knew it would come more accountability. How could one man, someone say one man, be so anointed to turn this entire city upside down, but he's not anointed enough to see himself. Listen, if, if you're more effective working with other people than you are with yourself, then you're working with a blind spot. You have a blind spot. How could your vertical relationship be so strong, but yet your horizontal relationship be so weak? Look, I'm confused. I've been in this a long, long time. Grew up in it my whole life. You know the story. Been in ministry for 23 years almost. But I'm confused at people who act like an angel at church on Sunday, and then they can walk out in the parking lot and act like the devil that same day. How can you walk in on Sunday, and you can dance, and you can clap, and you can shout with all your glory, but be hateful to your husband or your wife on Monday? 
that really makes me question your Christianity and your walk with God. I'm not saying we don't slip or we don't have moments of anger, but there's a pattern. There are blind spots that cause us to not see things. Tell someone, check your blind spot. Come on, look over your shoulder and tell that person. Say, check your blind spot. Check your blind spot. Can I tell you, I can see your love for God, and I can base your love for God by your love for people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Right? But he also said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. Just, just look up and say, I love myself. Come on. I love myself. That means I love my neighbor. And I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind today. That means I got to treat you the same way that I do him. Amen. I got to love you the same. There's a verse in Exodus 9 and 12. It says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. You ever read that? That bothered me for the longest time. I really struggled with that. I mean, I just wondered, how could a God that loves us, how, how could we admit that he can harden the heart of people? But I heard a quote from a scholar, all right? And it said this, and I never forget it, it never left my mind. It said, the same sun, and hear this, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Okay? So the problem is not the sun, hear this, it's the substance of the thing that it, the sun touches. The problem is not the sun, it's the substance of the thing that it touches. If it touches wax, it will melt. If it touches the mud, the hard clay, tell someone that it hardens. My question is, are you wax enough to melt today? And you wonder why we are so hard-hearted that we can walk by the homeless. And the first thing we do is pass judgment. And you wonder why we could have anger and hatred towards the other party on the hill, Right? Maybe because they're not Republican or Democrat, whatever you may be. Maybe because they're not white or they're not black or they're not Spanish, but yet we can show hatred towards them because of these things. Come on, amen? Let's be honest. It doesn't matter what color a president is to me. It don't. It, it really doesn't even matter if he's Republican or Democrat to me or independent. As long, here's my thing. I, I love to have someone in office who loves the Lord, Amen. I'm not here to judge or, or say who's who. This isn't a political push today for anything. But I believe that we have to stand up no matter who our president is. Amen. Who our leaders are, that we have to stand up for them. We have to pray for them. They're leading our country. Amen. You might not like everything they do, but can I tell you, if you build a hatred up and a resentment up, some people are just hard because mom and dad were hard. And they're hard because grandma and grandpa were hard. And what happens is the moment that you are supposed to be sentimental and melt like wax in the presence of God or your spouse, you're too hard. Is this okay so far? See, I don't believe that the people that have blind spots are 
bad people. I just think that they live in a blind spot. See, John, 1 John 4, 17 and 20 says this. It says, herein our love made perfect. Someone say perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because he is. So are we in this world. It says there is no fear in love. Amen? Why? Because perfect love, perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Check this part out. If a man say, I love God, and what? Hateth his brother, he's a liar. We got to read that again. If a man say that, I love God, and yet he hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he hath not seen? Amen? Look, until you learn to love people, can I tell you, you can put your hymn book down, you can put your Bible down, because how can you say that you love God but yet hate your brother? I don't care how churchy you act. I don't care how long you've served the Lord or you came to church or you were raised up in it. If you don't love your brother or sister, how can you love the Lord? And I wonder, are you wax enough to melt? Look at someone and say, are you wax enough to melt today? Or are you clay enough to harden? I've seen some hard people in my life and you could be here today and say, listen, when the sun rose, I melted. When it, when it shined on us, I melted. But how can you be so hard when the sun hit us? I apologize, but yet you kept getting angry. I just want to know, are you wax or are you clay today? I can tell what you're made out of by what melts you. Amen? Now, I'm not one at sentimental movies to, I'm not a cry, I'm not much of a crier. Unless I'm watching football. <laughs> and my team's losing. Even when they win big, Tom, I may just get a little tear and joy. Right? But we go to a good sentimental movie, and my wife, we need to bring a box of tissues. We could be watching Undercover Boss, and we may need some tissues for a crystal. Anybody else? You ever seen that? But the reason that I'm talking to you about this today is this. There are blind spots that are in your life that are causing you to not see. Amen. Just like I didn't see that car in the other lane. There are blind spots in our life that are causing us not to see. And can I tell you, when you can't see it or you're not looking for it, a wreck is inevitable. Oh, my life's a wreck. You ever said that? This job's a wreck. My marriage is a wreck. My finances are a wreck. It's because you're not checking your blind spot. And a wreck is inevitable. It's headed your way. It's going to happen. Because you didn't check your blind spot. See, I've, I've ran into people that are, they're nicer to people that they don't even know than they are their own companions and household. I'm talking about blind spots. I'm talking about areas in your life that you do not allow your faith to touch. 
And I'm using Jonah here because Jonah is mad at God for being nice. He's mad at God for being merciful. But what we find here is that Jonah had this thing called selective amnesia. Okay? How can you be angry with a God that's trying to forgive Nineveh? Is this not the God that heard you when you cried out from the belly of a fish? Is this not the same God that rescued you when you were in a mess? And didn't he pull you up from the bottom of the mountain and give you a second chance? Someone just say, thank you, Lord, for second chances today. Amen. Thank you, God, for pulling me up out of the pit, Lord. Thank you for rescuing me. See, some of you here today, you should not be here. Some of you should maybe be in prison. I don't know. Maybe some of you should be dead. Maybe some of you should be still hooked on drugs or in a bad relationship or in a mental hospital. I'm looking to see who's looking at their husband or wife right now. I'm looking at some of you. (laughs) In other words, you shouldn't be in the place that you are but God. Amen? God showed up and he gave you a second chance. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his forgiveness that he loves you enough to take you from who you used to be. Time and time again. Time and time. How many of you in this room, God's helped you out of something more than once? Come on. I'm not talking about he just, he helped me through, I was struggling, I had a bill to pay. That's what David would talk about. You got to remember what God has done for you. That's why David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit. What do you mean restore unto me the joy of my, remember when God brought you out. Remember when he saved you. Because if you can recall when he saved you, you'll be thankful for this time right now that you're going through. And you'll understand if he did it before, he'll do it again. Come on, if he did it once, he'll do it again. Amen. Thank you for your mercy, Lord God. And God pulled him out. And this is the same God that rescued him. And it's the same God that even though Jonah did what he did and he tried to disobey the Lord, he still anointed him. How many of you know the Bible says the anointing is without repentance? Amen? He still used them. He still blessed them. And now you don't want me to have mercy on them. You see, mercy doesn't end with you. Mercy begins with you. And you who have been shown and been forgiven the most, how dare us hold a grudge or talk about other people when you know it's by His mercy that you wake up and you take your very next breath. You know that it's by His mercy that you should have been dead. Or you could have been killed. Someone say, but God had mercy on me. Amen. But God had mercy on me today. He had mercy on me. It's crazy. You look back in the Bible, even at blind Bartimaeus. What what did he cry out to the Father? He said, Jesus... Son of David, have mercy on me. When he was blinded, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Selective amnesia. If I can get the praise team to come up. I feel like we're heading somewhere with this. What selective amnesia is, is this. is forgetting that you needed to be forgiven yourself. Selective amnesia is there you are. Sitting up under a hut waiting on God 
to be mean to someone else. Have you ever prayed the wrath of God on someone? See, the Bible says that God said, vengeance is, is mine, saith the Lord. Have you ever prayed that God would just smite somebody with a sickness, sir? I'm not going to lie. I, I just talk sports all the time. I might have prayed that the other team's quarterback maybe got hit a little too hard and had to be taken out, Tom Brady. Right? But I had to repent. Because if the Lord can show mercy on me and he can show mercy on my team, he needs to show mercy on everybody. Amen? How could we, how could we be so hard-hearted? And this is trying to wrap up our series on perspective. I love, look around real quick. Our church represents 32 different nations. I know everyone's not in the house today, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what title you hold. It doesn't matter where you came from, because we all came from different areas here. You're in D.C. now. It doesn't matter what church you came from. It doesn't matter if you came from a vineyard church or a Presbyterian church or Catholic church. Baptist Church, a Methodist Church, a Lutheran Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It doesn't matter if you were Mormon. It doesn't matter if you were Amish. That's not the point. The point is, is I have to look past the shell. And I have to look to see that there's fruit inside of you. To look past the flaws to look past what you did to me or what you didn't do for me and understand that his mercies are new every morning. And if he's going to show me mercy, I've got to show you mercy. And if he's going to show me mercy, I've got to show our government mercy. I might not like everything that goes on, but I'm going to show mercy. And I'm going to have to trust that it's all in the hands of God. What I'm asking us to do is this, is to reflect. Restore unto me, Lord. Reflect the mercy that's been given to us. And every time that I want to have judgment towards somebody else, every time that I want to cast blame, I pray that God will remind me of what he did in my life before. I pray that the blind spot that is in our life is making us be angry with our spouse or angry with our children or angry with our boss or angry towards other churches or pastors or denominations or leaders. I pray that that blind spot is removed. Come on. Sometimes it's not them, it's us. It's how we view it. I, I, I always get to the point in my life where I know there's two sides of the story now. I've been in this so long that I've had husbands come to me and try to tell me what their wife did and why they're acting stupid. It was because of their wife. I've had wives come to me and my wife and say they're acting stupid because of what their husband did to them. But can I tell you, when you get the two of them together, tell someone there's always another side of the story. Always another side of the story. And I can look at it, and, and then when they're together, and, and I hear both parts of it, I find out why they're both acting stupid. And really the truth of the matter is they're both just hurt. And because they're hurt, 
Hurt people hurt people. And misery loves company. So what's the solution? But do we really have the right, considering everything that we have been through ourselves, to hold other people hostage to our blind spot? Can I tell you that vengeance and anger and hurt, they're created by blind spots. They create other blind spots where you don't realize what you're damaging. See, the truth is this. The truth is is that God let this plant grow up over his head for shade from the sun, right? And the same God that gave him shade gave him the worm that ate the plant. That's a whole other message right there. And then he gave him correction. He said, now you're upset because the shade's gone? Why? Because God will shade ignorance for a moment, right? But sooner or later, sooner or later, God will send the worm to remove the shade. So our ignorance is exposed. Now Jonah's angry because at this point the Bible says that He's angry because the plant's taken away. You know what that shows me? At this point, Jonah loves plants more than he does people. Can I tell you, we live in a world that will fight you harder for cutting a tree down than they'll treat you for loving people. They will fight you harder against the whales. And I love whales. Or how you treat kittens than how you treat people. And God says to Jonah as I'm closing, if you can get angry about a plant that you did not plant or you did not grow, and you're trying to protect this plant and hoping that the people perish. I'm talking about blind spots today. Because I honestly didn't see that car. I didn't see that car. I'm not talking about good people. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about a blind spot in your life. See, I would not have ever moved my car in that other lane if I would have seen him. But he was in my my blind spot. What's in your blind spot today? Listen, who is in your blind spot today? Who's suffering in your blind spot today? Can we be honest? Who's suffering in your blind spot for the lack of something that you refuse to give them. Look, a mercy that you think that you own, but you don't. Who are you denying someone else's mercy? I know that there are people today that are in your blind spot that are gasping for the lack of your attention. Why? Because they've been cursed to live in your blind spot. That sounds hard. Can I tell you, there are people in our lives that are suffering and we're treating them certain ways because of the hardness in our life. If you stand to your feet in this house, stim those lights. I feel like we need to get into prayer for a minute. I could have killed that guy in the other lane. I could have killed him when I swerved over there. I didn't mean to, but I just didn't see right. 
And I'm wondering this morning if God would help us to melt in his presence today. Or are you too hard to find yourself running down to an altar anymore? Are you too hard to lift your hands in the presence of God anymore? What's hardened you? What's hardened us? Do we come into church to pick it apart? Do we come into church to evaluate what they don't do that we like? Come on. Do we come into the house of God to see how much attention we can get or who recognizes us? Or did you come into the house of God today for him and him alone? Did you come into the house of God not to get something for you, but walked into this sanctuary? You walked into his presence to give him praise and to give him honor today. I know that I'm going to get joy in his presence. I know that there are gifts. I know that there are things that the Lord's going to change within my life. Because you can't be in the presence of God and not be changed. But is that why you came today to get? Or did you come to give today? Because it's better to give than it is to receive. What's in your blind spot? Are you waiting on position? Are you waiting on affirmation? Are you waiting on a pat on the back? Are you doing this for the Lord today? Are you serving the Lord for him or for you? With every head bowed and every eye closed today in this room. I'm praying today that God's presence will begin to melt you. Let's go ahead and sing that song. Anaka. And I surrender all or have we become so hard-hearted? The church is just church. It's something that we do. Something that we were raised doing. When's the last time that you found yourself walking down the aisle of a church to an altar, not caring about anybody else around you, but understanding that God is in this house right now, and we've had blind spots and we haven't seen things. But I pray that the Lord melts you today and that you cry out to him and say, Father, I've been a little arrogant, Lord God. Father, I've been prideful, Lord. I've been judgmental, Lord God. But Lord, today, melt my heart like wax, Lord God. Melt me once again in your presence, Lord. Let tears stream down my face once again, Lord God. Let me push the titles away, Lord. Let me push the past away today, Lord God. Those things have blinded my perspective, Lord, of what you want to do in my life. I'm wondering today if God would be so gracious to me this morning. If you don't, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. My prayer for you in this house and who watches this, I pray that God will begin to melt you, to melt the blind spots that are causing you to not see the things and the people around you. I'm talking about melting up underneath the anointing of the Holy Spirit and saying, I need to change today. I know it takes more than one service to do this, but I'm wondering today, has anybody melted during this sermon at all? If you're in this room today and you felt the presence of God melting your heart, I pray that you do not harden your heart or let the hardness hold you back from what God is trying to get you to see today. And I want you to walk down to this altar. Come on, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
See, these are things that are hard sometimes. You got to fight through the hardness. Come on, sing this song. I surrender all to thee, Lord. And all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Come on, the altars are open right now. Let God bring you back to that place where you remember melting in his presence. Father, we don't care about no one else but you right now in this moment, Lord God, of what people think of us, Lord. We care of what you think of us in this room, Lord, as we lift you up, Lord God. To thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Come on, lift your voice and sing it as you surrender. And I surrender. Oh, we give it to you right now, Lord God. And I surrender. Oh, all to thee, Lord. And all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Sing it again. Come on. Some of you need to let go of some things today. Some things that happened to you. Some things that you were waiting on and, and it didn't quite happen yet, but God was waiting on you to release other things before it happened. God was waiting on you to get a different perspective before He moved you into it. And I pray today that you do surrender. That you let your heart melt again. Stop being offended. Stop being bitter. Stop making excuses and understand that change is in the house right now. Change is in the room right now. God just wants you to be moldable. He wants you to melt like wax again. He didn't want to happen to you what happened to you. But he brought you through it. Amen. And nothing that you've been through in your life will go to waste, and God will use it today. And all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Just the, just the singers, just lift your hands and sing this out loud to Him. Come on, lift your voice. And I surrender. I surrender all and all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Come on, lift your hands right now and just talk to God in this house. One thing that I pray that changes, and we've been praying it from the beginning of the year, is that God will change the way that we pray, amen. That he'll bring us back to how we used to pray. And for some of you that have never reached it, he'll bring you to a new place. Because there is power of life and death in your tongue. You've been cursing too many things by the things you say. You've been talking negativity. and You've been blaming God and wondering why things have not happened yet. It's because you're cursing them with your mouth. The Bible says to call those things that are not as though they were. And I pray today that you begin to speak to the dead things in your life. Begin to speak to the Lazarus in your life. Amen. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you right now. And you have the power to speak over your finances in Jesus' name.
You have the power to say, God, I know that you can impart wisdom in my life, but Lord, I pray that you lead me down the path of knowledge, Lord. Show me who to get close to, Lord God. Show me who to cut out, Lord God, and who to let in. Surround me, Lord God, by people that can teach me. Make me moldable, Lord God. Give me an ear to listen to them, Father, to watch what they do, because I want to be more, Lord. I want to do more, Lord. See, God will open up doors of opportunity for you once you are waxable, once you're moldable. Once he sees that you're willing to learn it, but you got to let go. you got to let go today. Let go of it. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of what didn't happen to you, but it did happen to them. You've seen other people go forward. Don't have the heart that Jonah had sitting up under that plant. And if you do, I pray that God will send a worm your way to remove it. I pray that God will send a worm that will cause the sun to be revealed. And when the sun is revealed... You're either going to be wax or you're going to be clay. I pray today that God will soften us. Come on, just say, soften my heart, Lord God. Father, there's things that I'm not seeing clearly, Lord God. There's blinders on, Lord God. There's a glass darkly in front of my eyes right now, Lord. But Father, remove the scales. Help us see once again, Lord God. Help us to look past the flesh. Help us to look past, Lord, the titles. Help us to look past the Republican, the Democrat, the, the, the middle, Lord. Help us look past it all, Lord, and to see people, Father God, that you have shown mercy to us, and we need to show mercy to them. Help us to see it, Lord God. Help us to see our brother and sister, Lord God. Help us to see our spouse, Lord God, of someone that you have created. Bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that today that we can see the marriage restored in Jesus' name. Someone in this room today, you've, you've had a rough road with your marriage over the last year. I don't know who it is God's speaking to me right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you up right now. But you've had a hard road. You've contemplated divorce several times. It's two things that that has been over. The Lord showed me. I feel like there's a couple couples in this room today, too. It's been over the lack of attention that you have not shown. But the reason you have not shown it is because you have not given it. It's because of the lack of money and finances. And because of those two things, it's caused massive arguments in your relationships. And you don't talk like you used to talk to one another. When you look at them, you see resentment. You don't see you because you became one. And you don't see you anymore. You see them. And that's not what God created in a marriage. The reflection of what you're seeing is not godly anymore. And it's not that they have changed. It's that your eyes are now seeing something that it wants to see. And God told me today, if you would let it go, that he would begin to melt that resentment. He'll begin to, to melt that bitterness. And he will restore that marriage. He will mend that relationship today. Someone in this room today, you've been angry at God. You've seen other people go ahead of you for things that you should be doing. And you wonder why it hasn't happened for you yet. But it has for them. And you think they don't even deserve it. They're not doing half of what I'm doing. They're not praying half as hard as I'm praying. 
Can I tell you, you don't know what it was that God told them to do to be obedient. So don't judge them. God told me to tell you today, if you will get your eyes off of other people, quit looking at the speck of dust in their eye. Because you got a plank sticking out of your own. And you focus on yourself today that God will change who you are. Change your perspective. And when you change your perspective, you get a different angle of it, and God will bring that knowledge to you. God's about to open doors for someone in this room, doors that you've been waiting on opening for years, opportunities that you've been praying on happening for a long time. God's about to make it happen today. If you are willing to melt in his presence, if you're willing to lay it down, if you're willing to lay it down, your life is worthy today. For those of you who have thought about giving it up, your life is worthy today. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you today. It's not over. Someone in this room today, and I'm getting ready to pray and close with this, but this is what I need to pray for specifically. God showed me this last night. There are people in this room that you feel that you have been looked over in ministerial opportunities. I'm not just talking about in this house, but you have been looked over. You've been looked over. You know you got a gift. You know you have an anointing on your life to speak the word of God to the lost. And I know we all do, but I'm talking specifically for those who are to be up behind a pulpit. God has spoken to you. God has told you this is what you are called to do, but yet you feel like that door is not quite opening like it should. There should be a bigger platform for you. Something is not happening right. And God wanted me to tell you that it has not been them. God has just been waiting for the right time for you to look at you and to be you. To be you. And for God to tell you to trust in yourself and not man. Quit knocking on the door of people trying to scrounge an opportunity and let God make the opportunity happen. God told me to tell you today, if you will dig in and you will study, if you will dig in and you will prepare and you will get in deep prayer, then opportunities will open to you. And can I tell you, it's not that God may reveal some big massive word to you as you're studying. God just wants to see that you're working towards it. How many of you know that's the process most of the time? It's not that, that God's, look, one time God sent me into the woods for three days all by myself. I had cougars walking around, this is in Florida, I had cougars walking around my tent at night. And I, I drove seven miles in the woods with a bike, pulling a little kid's cart with bottled waters on it and in the sand and, and some little bit of food, some apples and some flatbread. This is what God told me to do. And I went into the woods, I told my wife, I said, God, I don't know why you're calling me to do this. But I'll do it. And I drove off into the woods, and I found a little campsite, and I put a tent up. And we needed a miracle. How many of you could use a miracle in your life right now? I needed a miracle. We needed an opportunity. And God said, I'll give it to you if you obey me. And I rode that bike. My wife dropped me off. She, she took a picture of me pedaling off with this kid's cart on this mountain bike in the woods. As I got there, I set my tent up and I built a little fire. And the Lord said, I want you to begin to read the entire book of Matthew while you're here. So, okay, Lord, I don't know. Maybe you want to show me something in Matthew that's going to pertain to this. And I'm going to get this awesome answer. And you're going to, you're going to reveal to me exactly what to do. I began to read the book of Matthew at night. And, and I had just a little lantern that I had that would give me light on my Bible. And as I would read it, I would hear things walk around and fear would begin to grip me. Panther's going to eat me. There's a bear going to eat me. There's a water moccasin coming up. And I'd forget about it and I'd keep reading the book of Matthew. And I'd, I'd get into the word of God where it talked about the death of Jesus. And on and on and on. I'd go through it. And I kept reading and reading and reading. And at the end of the three days, I, I talked to God after I closed my Bible and read Matthew. I said, God, 
I really didn't get anything out of this. I read Matthew, and nothing pertains to what, nothing gave me an answer. And you know what the Lord said? He said it was never about the book of Matthew to give you an answer. He says, I just wanted to see if you would do it. I told you. And can I tell you, at that moment, I went home, and I got my answer. The very next day, God spoke to us and opened the opportunity and the doors for us to move into a facility that was 70,000 square foot grocery store. And God met a need for us. Got the key the very next day. Why? Because I just did what he told me to do. And God wanted me to speak that to you today. Those who are looking for the opportunity in there. You want to be, who wants to be used by God? I want to be used in a greater way than I've ever been used. But only God can give you that platform. But be obedient to what he's telling you to do. Amen? Let's lift our hands and pray together as we leave this house. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We give you praise. Lord, we give you adoration. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you, Father God. You're the Alpha and the Omega, Father. You know everything about us, Lord. You have blessings that you've already prepared for us, Lord God. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we give our attention and our time to you, that we focus on you once again. Father, that we get so close to you that we can hear your voice once again, Lord. We could feel your presence once again, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are the all-consuming fire. You illuminate our dark areas. You give us warmth when we are cold. But Father, that same fire will begin to melt the areas of our life, Lord God. And I pray today, Lord, that you begin to melt us. Melt us, Lord. Let us be pliable once again in your hands. We need you, Lord. We're ready for it, Lord God. We're ready for opportunity. I pray, Lord God, that we start a new chapter today. That we change our system, Lord God. That we don't come to church, Father, out of routine or out of habit anymore, Father. We come because we want to be, Lord, with those who believe like we do. We come into agreement right now, Father God. Believing for change. Believing for those who are lost, Lord God. We have lost loved ones that don't know you. But, Father, we, we sick the Holy Spirit on them right now, Lord God. They might not listen to us. But, Lord, I pray that you send somebody in their path right now on the other side of the country. On the other side of the world, Father God. That they would hear and heed to your voice today. And they would come running back to you in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that we get back to prayer, Lord God. We get back into intercessory prayer, Father God. We get back into tearing, Lord God, through the midnight hour, Father God, that we get back to cleaning house and, and putting the, the remote control down, Lord God, and getting into your word, Father God, and spending time and devotion with you in our prayer closet, Lord God, to getting off of Facebook and, and Instagram, Lord God. We put that away and we get into your word because we want to know you, Lord. We long to get to know you more, Father, to be back in your presence once again, Lord. In Jesus' name. Someone shout in Jesus' name. Come on again. In Jesus' name. Say it loud. In Jesus' name. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow. Amen. And every tongue shall confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray today that you leave this place changed. You leave changed today. Amen. Amen. I am just proclaim it. I'm changed in Jesus' name. I am wax in Jesus' name. Amen.